it occurred to me as we were singing this morning and we were considering who God is in our lives and, and Andy used the word redemption a lot and scripture uses the word redemption a lot. I believe that God redeems all things. And as we talk about ministry and spiritual gifts and how to be connected and to serve Christ in the church, I suspect that some of you already have this tape that says, I'm disqualified. You can talk about all the stuff, Kurt, about how God has gifted me and enabled me to to serve him, but you don't understand my background, you don't understand my experiences, and uh, in in some sense... um, I'm not worthy to serve or to use the gifts that God's given me. And I want you to know, and you're going to hear this from me and from Kent and from Diane, that God redeems everything. Everything. Past, present, and future. And God, in some incredible way that I do not understand, weaves all of those things, all of those experiences of our lives into this... uh, this amazing ability or uh, opportunity to, to, to minister to other people and to serve others. One of the reasons that we encourage you to show up for things like worship on Sunday, Bible studies, whatever, it isn't because November is sweeps month for the Covenant Church and we want you all here so we can have big numbers, which it is, by the way. Um, the reason that we want you to be a part of things is because when you're not, we're cheated. When I don't use my gifts, when I don't do the ministry that God's called me to, I cheat you. And when you don't use the gifts that God's given you, um, you cheat other people as well. We need one another. And I don't say that flippantly. Um, When you aren't here, when you don't participate, we all lose. I hear it over and over again from people in our church about how, you know, I did not want to go to that Bible study. I didn't want to show up for worship on Sunday. You know, all the reasons that we have, and most of them are legitimate reasons. But then what happens almost every time is that we show up for things, and somehow God uses us to minister to somebody else, or someone ministers to us and speaks a word to us that is redemptive and true and um, transforming. That's the way it is. And uh, so keep that in mind as you hear the things that we're going to talk about over these next three weeks, that, that none of you, none of us, are disqualified from the grace of God because of anything that we've done. You know, God will use ultimately everything in our lives so that we can serve Him and that we can serve other people and that we can truly make a difference. I really believe what a good friend of mine often says is that uh, he's learning to distrust people who don't walk with a limp. In other words, you know, if we haven't been wounded on, on some level, then, you know, do, do, we, do we have the ability to speak into situations? And I think God, you know, uses all of us, whether we've been beat up or not. But um, he uses those difficulties and those weaknesses, too. Listen to this passage from Ephesians. Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. If I understand this passage correctly, and I I think I do, it says this, ministry is not my job alone. 
Now, as you know, Kent is fond of referring to me as the paid religious professional. Okay? But that's not just my job. Now, I certainly am a minister, right? But the Bible says that my job as your pastor and teacher is to prepare you, to equip you, to help you serve and to do ministry. That is my calling. Now, some of my colleagues would say that's all that they should do. I don't agree with that. God has gifted me and given me specific ministries as well. But my primary ministry as your pastor is to equip you, to help you, to encourage you, to exhort you, to jump up and down and scream and shout and push and shove and prod and pull. You get the point, right? To help you do ministry. It's the reason I'm here. It's the most important thing that I do. It's the most exciting thing that I do. There's nothing more important in pastoral ministry, I believe, than helping people figure out what their ministries are and encourage them to use them. That's what I do. And I'm in process. And I always will be. But that's my job. And I have to tell you, from my perspective, when you see people come to faith, you see them begin to use their gifts to serve, you see their lives transformed, that is the reason that I'm a pastor. It's one of the only reasons. I don't live for board meetings. I don't live for budget meetings. Not that I don't really like them a lot. But that's not why I do this. I do this to help you, to encourage you, to serve, to understand what your ministry The truth is, all of us have been made for ministry. Now, before you freak out, we're going to talk about what ministry is. But we have been created for ministry. We've been made by God to do ministry, to serve. And until we discover the ministry or the ministries for which we've been created, I believe that we won't be fulfilled. We won't have purpose in our lives. And, uh, and that's true. And, you know, I talk to a lot of people who say, you know, that they're bored, they're in a season that's pretty dry, their faith doesn't feel strong. And, and I, I, I typically say something to them that, that I think they find offensive occasionally, and that is to begin to serve. And they say, no, you didn't hear what I said. I'm, I'm dry, I'm, I'm tired, I'm, I'm busy, I'm, I'm all these things. Okay, well, that's fine, but you need to begin to serve. You need to begin to serve because in that you find out you know, who you are. You find a purpose in your life. That's how God created you. God would not have given us talent. He wouldn't have given us abilities and temperaments and spiritual gifts. He wouldn't have given us unique life experiences if He didn't intend for us to use them in some way. And it's my prayer that each of us over these next few weeks will discover, first of all, that we are in fact ministers, all of us, and that God has a place for us And he has a unique way in which he intends to use us to serve him. And that is the truth. There's no better place to begin a message on ministry by considering what the Bible has to say about what ministry is. So what is it? Is ministry selling everything that you own and moving to Africa? Is ministry becoming a paid religious professional? Is that what it is? The word used for ministry in the New Testament is the Greek word diakonos, from which we get the word deacon. Some of you may come from churches where you've heard that word, deacon. 
Leaders in the church are called deacons. Some are called elders. Some are called deacons. Deacon means servant. That's all it means. So ministry simply means to serve. To serve. That's all it means. To serve. My job as your pastor is to equip you, to help you, to serve. To do ministry. So the word ministry and service are used interchangeably in Scripture, oftentimes. Here's a definition of ministry that I hope you find helpful. Ministry is using whatever gifts and abilities, whatever gifts and abilities that God has given you to serve Him and to serve the needs of other people. Okay, now, some of you think, well, I could never do what that person does. I could never do this. I could never do that. But God has given all of you certain abilities and gifts and talents. And He expects you to serve Him, to use them, to serve Him and to serve the needs of other people. That's all that ministry is. That's really all that my ministry is. is to do the things that God's called me to do and to serve you and to serve Him. So when I'm talking about discovering what your ministry is, I'm really asking you to consider how God has put you together. Okay? Diane is going to talk more about this. And I was going to talk about this today a bit more too, but I'm not going to get to that part this morning. But what are your gifts? You know, what is your heart? What are your passions? What are your talents, your abilities, your experiences? What are all the things that God has put into your life that He uses? for you to serve Him and to serve other people. That's where this begins. That's where this discussion really begins. God expects us to use all the things that He's given us, all the experiences He's brought into our lives, to serve Him and to serve others. So what's the purpose of doing that? I mean, I think it's a legitimate question to ask. What is the purpose of ministry? In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that the purpose of ministry, are you ready? Is to help the church, to build it up, to encourage it. Now, it doesn't say to build up Summit View Covenant Church specifically, but if this is the place that you call home, then I think that is where your primary ministry needs to be. There's still room for parachurch ministries, for other kinds of ministries. Hopefully you're equipped here to be sent out to do some of those things, but primarily the purpose of ministry is to help the church, to build it up. This is how he said it. There are different kinds of service or ministry to God. But it's the same Lord that we're serving. The Holy Spirit displays God's power, listen to this, through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. God uses us individually, empowers us by the Holy Spirit to help the entire church. All of you together, Paul goes on to say, are part of the one body of Christ. And each one of you is a separate and necessary part. I think we get the separate part. I'm not sure we always get the necessary part. And I'm part of the body of Christ. You're a necessary part of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12. By using our gifts, our talents, and our abilities, each of us, Each of us can help build up the body of Christ, the church. We're to help strengthen it, to encourage it, to make the church more effective, and ultimately, I believe, to help make the church what God intended it to be. And in case you hadn't noticed, we aren't there yet. Okay? But we're in this process. That's 
The purpose. That's why we encourage you to do ministry. And you may be thinking, and I bet some of you are because I know you pretty well, okay, but so what? So what? Definition's fine. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you so far, but, but so what? I know I have some abilities. I know I have some gifts. I know I have some things to offer. But why should I be interested in helping or encouraging the church? Can't I use all this stuff somewhere else? Because the church, let's face it, sometimes is a drag. That's what you're thinking. You know? It's more exciting to do it somewhere else. And the truth is, sometimes it is. So why make ministry in the church, or in this church specifically, why make that a priority? Why make the effort? Why is ministry so important? Can't I just sort of show up and be fed? So I really want to be fed. You know how often I hear that? Feed me. Feed me, Pastor. Feed me. I could say a lot about that. But you're asking this question. I want to suggest some reasons. And there's many more. We're not going to get to them. Why is ministry important? Why should you be compelled, driven? I don't want to use the word obsessed, but driven to do ministry, to figure it out. Here's the first reason. Because you've been created by God. I've already mentioned this. You've been created by God to do ministry. We all have. Paul says in Ephesians 2, you and I are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's workmanship. We have been shaped and formed by God from the beginning of time to do good works, to serve Him and to serve others. We were created in Christ to do ministry. Most people don't know this. I suspect some of you don't know this. That's one of the reasons you were created. If you do know it, you may be afraid to acknowledge it. Right? Because if you acknowledge it, there's some responsibility with that. From the beginning of time, God's plan was for us to serve Him and to serve other people. If you're wondering why you were put on this earth, it was to serve God and to serve other people, ultimately. To bring glory to Him. You've been created for ministry. That's the truth. Here's the second reason that it's important. You and I have been called into ministry. Uh Uh-uh. God only calls people like pastors and missionaries, the Apostle Paul. And when God calls, the sky breaks open, lightning bolts come down, people fall, they're blind. Right? Is that how you think of calling? I think some of us do. I'm the only one that's called in this church. No, you're all called. All of you who know Christ have been called into ministry. Listen to these scripture passages. God in His grace chose me, Paul writes in Galatians. Paul, God in His grace chose me even before I was born and He called me to serve Him. Galatians 1.15 In Ephesians, Paul says this to believers to the church. Live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. And Peter tells believers, and this is powerful, that they have been chosen by God himself. You are priests, Peter says, 
of the king. You are God's very own. And all of this is so that you may show others how God called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were no people, but now you're God's people. You've been chosen by him. Peter talks about that. If you ever struggle with low self-esteem, and who doesn't, right? Read and reread these verses. Before you became a believer, a follower of Jesus, you were nothing. But now you belong to the one who created you, who made you. You and I are his holy priests. We are his chosen people. Each of us, the moment that we commit our lives to Christ, are called into ministry on some level. Scripture says this clearly in a variety of ways that our primary identity is this. So when someone asks you, who are you? This is your identity. I am a minister of Jesus Christ. That is your identity. I had a seminary professor that would come in and write that on the board every class session. I, except she didn't minister of Christ, she said, I'm a minister of the gospel. And then she would say, now repeat that, class. I'm a minister of the gospel. And we would do this week after week after week. And I finally got it. You know? She's saying, understand who you are. You are all ministers. Whatever your vocation is, and those are very important, right? Your true vocation is as a minister and a servant of Christ, wherever God has put you in your life. I am a minister of Christ. Let this sink in and think about it. Ministers of Christ, servants of Christ, look very different. They're everywhere. Most of them don't look like this, right? They look like that, like you. They work in a variety of places. It's how God has chosen to redeem the world through you and I. My job is to encourage you to live into your identity as ministers, as servants. We're not who others say we are, ultimately. We're not even who we say we are or who we think we are from time to time. We're really who God says that we are. That's our identity. And God says that we've been created and called into ministry and that we are ministers, servants of Christ. That's who you are. Here's another reason why it's important. You've been gifted. Oh, shucks. Yeah. Yep, I have been. No, you have been. Every one of you, and you're going to hear a lot more about this in the next few weeks, but listen to this passage. That's all I'm going to say about it. God has given each of you some special abilities, gifts. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Peter said that. Peter seemed to get this ministry service thing. He understood it. We're going to talk about this more. Here's the next thing. We're commanded by Christ himself to serve we're commanded by Christ to serve. Your attitude, Jesus said, must be like mine. For I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve others. We're to have the same attitude as Jesus. According to him, service is not an option. But it's become that in our church culture, hasn't it? I just want to come and chill. You know, sit back. I don't want to get involved. 
I just want to take it in, and at some point I'll do that. Jesus says that's not really an option. A non-serving, non-ministering follower of Jesus is not only disobedient, but is also a contradiction in terms. I don't believe that you can truly follow Christ and not serve. Somewhere. Raises the question of what it means to be a follower, doesn't it? And then the body of Christ, believe it or not, needs our ministry. Needs our ministry. Paul put it like this in 1 Corinthians. All of you together are the body of Christ. And each of you is a separate and necessary part. You've heard that. So here's a little ditty that I came up with. Imagine this for a minute. Your liver says to one of your body parts one day, right? You're listening in on the liver conversation. Your liver says, um, I don't want to serve this year. I just kind of want to do my own thing, you know, pursue my own interests down here. I, I really need to take a break from serving. I've got a lot of things going on. What if your liver said that? What if your liver said, I just want to be fed. That's all I want to do. I just want to hang out and be fed. And you would probably say, dear liver, listen, wouldn't you say this? I need you. You are a part of me. I can't really survive without you. If you're not performing the function that you're supposed to be performing, I not only will be ill, but I might die. The truth is that the liver doesn't do its job, the whole body suffers. Right? That's not overstated. The body of, the, of, the, of Christ needs your ministry. You may be a toe, not a liver. You may be something else. But you are just as necessary. And we don't believe that. If I can't do the upfront stuff, you know, then what use am I? It's not true. The church needs you. We are complete. We are incomplete. We are unhealthy without you. And finally this. Ministry is so important that God will one day hold us accountable. We are accountable for the ministry, the gifts that God has given us. I don't know what that day will be like, honestly. But when Jesus uses a parable to explain it, and I read that parable and I hear the consequences of not using gifts, not doing ministry. It makes me take notice. I think that that day of accountability, by the way, will also be a day of great affirmation. You know, well done. Well done. Probably surprising to us. But this is what Paul says in Romans. Each of us will stand before God and give an account of ourselves for all that we've done. I read that in the context of Romans 12. Paul's talking about judgmentalism, right? That's the context. But it applies to everything. There's an accountability. Remember the parable of the talents. And if you haven't heard it before, it goes something like this. This master, Jesus told this parable. A master gave each of his servants a certain amount of money. Okay? Talents. He gave one to one servant. He gave five to another. He gave ten to another. And then he left... And he told these servants, you know, um, do something positive with these talents. So some of them did. And when he returned years later, he asked each one what they'd done with their talents. One who went off and buried his talent to preserve it was the one who was condemned. The one who was condemned. 
The point is this. God has given each of us certain gifts and abilities, and it's a sin not to use them. Someday, we'll stand before Him to give an account of what we've done with what He's given us. And I'm wondering what you will say, what I will say. What are we doing with God's gifts? How are we using them to serve others? Are we using them or are we burying them? That's the question. One of the reasons I take my role so seriously is because it's my job to help you prepare for this final exam, for the final accounting. One day, God's going to ask each of us, what did you do with what you were given? We're accountable. There are two things that happen when you discover your ministry and you begin to do it. At least two things. One is that you experience fruitfulness in life. Right? We all want to be doing things that have a positive impact. And we are fulfilled. Ultimately, we're fulfilled. We'll be effective. People's lives will be impacted and changed because of us, because of God using us. We'll find meaning and purpose in our life. Fulfillment comes through service, from ministry, and not from status or anything else. If you don't remember anything else, remember that. Fulfillment comes from service. If you're frustrated and empty, find your ministry. Serve God. Give yourself away. Empty yourself. And ultimately be filled by Him as you serve. Amen.